From URL Media, I'm Esmitra Kalita. And I'm Sarah Lomax, and this is Twice as Good. We're a podcast about arts, culture, and politics from our perspective as media entrepreneurs. Sarah, we're in February, which you know means two important events. One is Valentine's Day, which is not that important an event in my life, but it gives us an excuse to talk about love. And the second is Black History Month. So we're going to dive into the collision of these two events, if you will. And I thought it might be a good place to start with love and the role it plays in our name, URL Media Um, as listeners might know, stands for Uplift, Respect, and Love. And Sarah, I don't know if you remember when we set up URL and the conversations we had about the name. I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but do you remember the role of love and thinking about what that might might mean for us? Both of us as um, practitioners and as media entrepreneurs who are steeped in our communities recognize that a huge component of our work that drives us and that keeps us going is really out of a, a fundamental, like deep-seated love for for our people. That is the right answer. You said <laughs> we're, we're basically expressing in our name our love for our people. And then um, I said to you, the juxtaposition of love in media is so revolutionary because who thinks about journalism with love, right? One way or the other, meaning it's not like the news really loves us. And certainly, you know, back when we launched in in 2020 into 2021, and even this moment we're in, um, there isn't a whole lot of love from the American people for their media and journalistic institutions. I guess a few years later, my other question for you would be, do you feel like we've lived up to that ambition? Mm, That's a great, that's a great question. And I would say yes. I mean, I think that you you can't do this kind of work without being driven by money or recognition or those things that, you know, are outwardly affirming because it's very hard. It's it's hard work. We're trying to make sure it's transformative work, not just work for work's sake, and I think that you know, not to be cliched, but love is, it's much more than an emotion. And people say love is a, is a verb, not a, not a noun, you know, like it, it's an action. And I think that the work that we're doing is trying to put, you know, love in action amongst many other things. But at the core, I think that there's, there's, um, that's, that's a driver, a huge driver. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that the other piece is that we use this framework for everything. And I think there is something about leading with love that has really transformed me over the last few years because choosing love is to what you just said is an action, right? I mean, as you know, Sarah, all too well, I get really frustrated or pissed off and the decision to actually not just think the best of people, but to make the way you treat them centering love, I think is a conscious decision. And um, again, like revolutionary for a media company, revolutionary for a business. Um, And I'll pivot us to kind of away from the staff, but, you know, to our partners and also to the people who we do business with um, this idea of 
we are here in support of you and also with uh, um it's like a positive framework versus I think a lot of maybe ideas or works born out of the racial justice movement of 2020 understandably have a lot of trauma built into them. I mean, this is like our history, of course, is a traumatic history, but also choosing to center love feels maybe a counter to some of that or even a bomb, if you will. So that's another area that I think yeah. about a lot. And I do think that it's, important to remind ourselves that that is, uh, you know, the, the ground from which we grew for URL. And I know for the work I do with WURD, the Black Talk radio station I run in Philly, you know, I know that our team is really like, we, we have our battles, we have our, you know, frustrations and all of that. But at the core, we are driven, and I know this is the, the same for URL, we're driven by a love of our people and our community. And there aren't a lot of media organizations that exist where you can actually come and be your authentic self as a, a Black person or a person of color and get to do purposeful, meaningful work that uplifts, respects, and loves people who have historically been stereotyped, caricatured, undervalued by mainstream media and by, you know, mainstream culture yeah. in general. So it's, I think it's a very profound opportunity. And I think that's, that's a lot of what fuels the work. And, and, you know, so we, we decided because of Valentine's Day and Black History Month to like kind of dissect our, our commitment to this, this notion, this idea, this verb, love, but I want to kind of see if we can like drill down a little bit into, because I think that the, the other thing that, that we've done with our partners, with URL, with our name, with our commitment and all of those things is we also support black and brown businesses and vendors. And, and we, we, we reinforce that kind of love in an, in an economic empowerment way. And so one of the first things that we did early on was for like our holiday gifts, we gave out gift baskets that that featured products and things from diverse communities, Black-owned businesses, Asian spices, like South Asian spices. And we, we featured a book called The Love Songs of W.E.B. Du Bois by Honoré Fanon Jeffers. And one of the things I know we want to talk about today in recognition of Black History Month and um, Valentine's Day is kind of some of these masterful books that have really impacted us, whether they're specifically about love or we just love them. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I thought we could maybe dive in a little bit about the love songs of W.E.B. Du Bois because that was, you know, this 800-page book. We were very deliberate in including that in these um, gift bags or these gift um, baskets yeah. that we sent out to the world early on in our in our great power from abundance and that postage on that eight hundred page book was very abundant. It was so pretty, yeah, it was yeah. I love. I think you know this. I love W. E. B. Du Bois. Um, I've sort of spent family vacations like showing my children the foundation of his boyhood home in in Western Massachusetts. Tell me why you picked it. I, I actually have never asked you that. 
there is nothing more exciting and satisfying to me than to find a book that I just can't put down. Mm-hmm. And a book that reads almost like a film or a, a, a series, a TV series. I mean, I have been a voracious reader since I was a little teeny weeny girl. I mean, I read everything, you know, Harriet the Spy, Laura Ingalls Wilder, you know, the Nancy Drew mystery. I mean, like all of it. And just like, I'm a huge, um, voracious reader. My dad was my, I grew up in a house that that read a lot. And this book, you could just dive in. And what I loved about it was it toggled between like modern day and like it went back to the 1700s. It really looked at the intersection of Native American, African, um, white societies and, and, and cultures and relationships. Like real, like she, she just was so... Um, determined and deliberate to talk about the nuances and the complexities and the, you know, the real deep emotion that created these, these relationships. And I just, I just thought the fact that she could so masterfully go from the 1700s to the 1980s to the 1800s and tell this very rich story of this Black family in the South that had been through so so much that that all of us could anyone who's reading it at any there's so many entry points you can find a connecting point and i just no. loved it i eventually felt the same way i read it so we gave that out i think in 2021 i ended up reading it the following year in 2022 um and it took me a while but then i had a similar reaction where I both couldn't put it down but i didn't want it to end because i found that toggling very immersive And the love aspect of this to me was also a woman learning to love herself in all its complexities. And I think a lot of the literature, um, certainly Black literature, I similarly grew up um, in a house with, um, you know, literally thousands of books. My father was a voracious reader. I've been a voracious reader my whole life. And and there was, and you know this about my dad, Sarah, but there was a lot of Black literature in our house. But he intentionally chose like James Baldwin, Malcolm X, Richard Wright, like a lot of literature where figuring out what you stood for was the whole point, right? But I think the Black literature really shaped me. And in the love songs of W.B. Du Bois, it was one of the first um, at that level of a Black female protagonist um, where I, you know, of course, been impacted by Americana and Toni Morrison, but more of the literature I've been raised in was like a Black masculine gaze. And so Hmm. I thought this book just had, I mean, even like the physicality of the woman that she's writing about. And, you know, like sometimes, you know, she's kind of on the heavy side and then she's like exercising. And there was just so much I identified with in terms of her finding herself through this process and really you know, this feeling of love for her family that just went back generations, which I also yeah. really identified with. And and I think the other thing that I love about this book, because the, the title, the, the Love Songs of W.E.B. Du Bois. So, you know, if you haven't read it, you're like, oh, this is maybe a love story about W.E.B. Du Bois, who was this amazing African-American scholar who, I mean, he 
he particularly resonates with me because of his his brilliance. But he also did the Philadelphia Negro that was published in 1899. And it's like one of the first sociological studies of black people. And it was published by University of Pennsylvania Press. Well, they treated him like shit, but at the time, but he was this brilliant scholar activist um, who coined so many profound concepts like double consciousness um, and, you know, this 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 sense uh, that black people are constantly having to wrestle with kind of this two-ness of being black and American and what that means to your psyche, to your spirit, to to your your yourself. And and so the love songs of W.B. Du Bois, you know, Jeffers, she talks about the fact that W.B. Du Bois had such a profound love for Southern culture and Southern life. And that was one of the reasons why she infuses and weaves him throughout the book. And so there are these interludes throughout the book where you have these quotes, these very deep quotes from W.E.B. Du Bois, but he's almost like the muse. He's like this shadow figure throughout the book. But and and you hear about him in the context of one of the characters, Uncle Root, who is the great uncle of the main character, who's like this beautiful, learned black man, this very dignified black man from the South who had, you know, he knew Zora Neale Hurston. He bumped up against uh, Jesse Fawcett. He jumped, you know, he bumped up against Du Bois. I mean, he had all these interactions that he weaves into his storytelling with uh, the main character, Ailey. So yeah. I, I, um, I, I love the way she, she sneaks him in, but he's very present. Yeah. I mean, it's a meta um, narrative in some ways because, of course, Du Bois rests so much on scholarship and this book was so exhaustively researched. You just feel it in every page, like the effort. I mean, it's kind of, it reads, it, it reads pretty breezy, as you know. On the other hand, you know what went in to make it feel that way. So, you know, so I, I definitely agree that her using him as a presence, um, but then resting on her own research um, to get at some of that family history. And then the history of Black institutions like the university and, um, and the role that that played. Um, yeah, in, and sororities. Uh, and sororities and yeah, I mean, people through that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, is, is there a, is there a, a scene that, that kind of sticks out to you, Mitra, like from the book? The, the sister. So like for me, the mm. love that, the, the kind of flawed nature of family relations and our love for each other. So I'll stick with the love theme. Um, you know, in the book, there's a sister who's, um, what'd you say, Sarah, like an addict, right? Um, yeah, she's, yeah, she's addicted to crack. She got yeah. caught up in the, like, the 80s crack yeah. epidemic. And the father basically sets her up and it's a big secret. And so the pain that the family contends with you know, having an addict in their family and sort of someone who's there and gone and back again. And the father sets her up. And so the love that it takes to basically support your child, but then live a lie is what I just think about mm. because that's a different kind of love, right? It is unconditional, which I think is what many of us feel for our families even when they're so flawed. And so that piece just really 
spoke to me because who doesn't have love for family when the family members might be, you know, a little bit broken or somewhat flawed. That's 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 one lesson that stuck with me. And it it is really it's 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 written so um, beautifully. Jeffer, she she gets it all in. She really weaves a a, a very powerful story. Um, And, you know, speaking of W.E.B. Du Bois, a little a little fun fact is W.E.B. Du Bois was one of the founders of the NAACP. And today is the founding anniversary, February 12th. 1909. And that's Ida B. Wells uh, or Ida Wells Barnett was one of the the founders. Um, And so, you know, this is this is an auspicious occasion that we're talking about Du Bois. We're talking about this book and it happens to be um, the birthday of the NAACP. I didn't know that. That's beautiful. You know, at least for me, in hindsight, you look at Du Bois's work like stacked up next to each other and you're just like, my goodness, it. and I always, and you know, I've said this before, it deserves way more attention, reverence, care um, than I think we give it. So I'm, I do think in Black History Month, he kind of gets his due, but I feel like mm-hmm. as far as like institutions in the U.S. and really commemorating that vision that the NAACP represented, I just wish we had, um, you know, more symbols that we could see um and 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 honor but i think there's some there're also some other amazing works that we've been talking about i know that we at word are compiling kind of a you know a book list uh for black history month and i'm reading all about love by bell hooks right now and so i actually can i read can i read a quote yeah of since, course since, um valentine's day is is this week and um so I'm I'm a big meditator, and yesterday we had our uh, a people of color meditation group, and so I had asked everyone to bring like a quote from an ancestor, and so this is the one that I read from Bell Hooks. This is from All About Love, and so one of the best guides to how to be self-loving is to give ourselves the love we are often dreaming about receiving from others. There was a time when I felt lousy about my over 40 body, saw myself as too fat, too this, or too that. Yet I fantasized about finding a lover who would give me the gift of being loved as I am. It is silly, isn't it, that I would dream of someone else offering to me the acceptance and affirmation I was withholding from myself. This was a moment when the maxim, you can never love anybody if you are unable to love yourself, made clear sense. And I add, do not expect to receive the love from someone else you do not give yourself. So maybe we close there. And, you know, it's always great, Mitra, to be in conversation with you. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Black History Month. And um, we'll keep talking. And that's twice as good. We'll be back in two weeks with our next podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and our website, url-media.com. See you next time.